This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Take something iconic, like the all-electric 2024 Fiat 500e. Add something electrica. Bring the swagger. And an Italian icon is remixed and ready to drop with its available premium JBL audio system. Tap the banner to learn more. Fiat is a registered trademark of FCA Group Marketing SPA, used under license by FCA US LLC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Quote, Pat Edgar has been watching the Jets spraying over eastern Oklahoma since October 1997. He and other eyewitnesses are uneasy over the ongoing aerial experiments and the secrecy surrounding them. They're getting ready, practicing, Edgar believes, for some kind of mass population call. Edgar says he knows four dozen witnesses who have come down violently ill, coughing up blood for two weeks or with really bad nosebleeds. As far as he's concerned, it had to be something in that doggone plane that was spilling out in the middle of the night. Edgar joins witnesses across the U.S. who worry that whoever is behind the mystery spraying has to come up with something a little stronger later on. They have a mission. They go back and forth all day. It's unbelievable. Well, that's an excerpt from a 1999 article by William Thomas, the first journalist to report on alleged chemical spraying from aircrafts. Ever since the late 90s, the long trailing clouds airplanes leave in the sky have been blamed for illness, crop damage, and weather changes. Scientists have maintained that the clouds are just water vapor from the plane's exhaust pipes. But many people wonder whether it's really just the exhaust or if there's something more sinister being released by these aircrafts. Conspiracy? Maybe. Coincidence? Maybe. Complicated? Absolutely. 
Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, the podcast where we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. If you want to listen to previous episodes, you can find them on your favorite podcast directory or on our website, parcast.com. I'm Carter Roy. I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. Today, we're investigating the truth about aircraft contrails, or as some people call them, chemtrails. You know the long trailing clouds that form behind airplanes as they fly across the sky? According to scientists, pilots, the Air Force, the EPA, FAA, NASA... Basically, every authority on environmental science. Those trails you see are just water vapor from the aircraft's engine. It's a naturally occurring phenomenon, and it doesn't pose any danger to the environment or to human health. But some people believe there's something else going on. In the late 90s, rumors began to circulate that the government was secretly using aircraft contrails to release harmful chemicals into the air. These so-called chemtrails can control the weather, destroy crops, cause illnesses, and even control people's minds. Uh, That's a good story, but it sounds like science fiction. Actually, parts of it are true. Aircrafts have been used to control rain patterns and spread toxic chemicals since the 1950s. And since there is some truth behind the chemtrail theories, it can be really difficult to separate fact from fiction. Today, we're going to look at the scientific and historical facts surrounding contrails, weather manipulation, and chemical weapons. It's definitely a complicated subject. Many conspiracy theorists even refuse to believe the hard facts about chemtrails. Because the facts are provided by the government agencies that they believe are behind the chemtrail conspiracy in the first place. But first, let's look at the official explanation. The chemtrail theory is one of the most well-known conspiracy theories in America. A 2016 poll by the Cooperative Congressional Election Study found that 9% of respondents believed it was completely true that the, quote, government uses airplanes to put harmful chemicals into the air, end quote. And another 19% believed it was somewhat true. That means 28% of the population believes there's some truth behind this theory. It's a popular one. But the scientific community has been trying to dispel these myths for decades. Officially, chemtrails don't even exist. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, they're called contrails, short for condensation trails. And they're essentially just normal clouds formed from the water vapor in jet engine exhaust. We all learned about the water cycle in science class. Water on the ground evaporates, turns into clouds, and then rains down again. When liquid water warms up, it turns into a gas called water vapor. The opposite of this process, called condensation, is when water vapor is cooled and it turns back into a liquid or solid. That's why you see sweat on the outside of cold glasses or soda cans on hot days. The air around the cold beverage cools down and the water vapor in the air condenses and turns into a liquid. It's also why you can see your breath on cold days. 
The water vapor and warm breath immediately freezes into tiny ice crystals when it hits the cold air outside. And that's exactly what clouds are. Big clumps of tiny water droplets and ice crystals. When water vapor floats up to the upper levels of the atmosphere, where it's very cold, it condenses into liquid or ice. Here's where airplanes come in. When jet engines burn through fuel, the main byproduct that comes out of the exhaust pipe is water vapor. The temperature inside the engine is extremely hot, and the temperature in the upper atmosphere is extremely cold, usually lower than negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So the water vapor from the exhaust condenses into ice crystals to form clouds. That's why you see those long white trails behind planes as they cross the sky. They're just water vapor, like any other cloud. So, contrails aren't dangerous to the environment or human health at all. That's almost entirely correct. Almost? Well, it gets more complicated than that. It's technically true that contrails are nothing more than clouds of water vapor. But in addition to water vapor, there are other byproducts that are released from jet engines, including nitrogen oxide, sulfur gases, soot particles, and greenhouse gases, like carbon dioxide that contribute to the warming of the atmosphere. We at ParCast don't intend to bring politics into the conversation about the environment. We're only going to present scientific facts and studies without taking a stance on who's responsible for changes in the climate or what should be done about it politically. The Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, estimates that about 3.5% of man-made climate change is the result of aviation. The carbon dioxide released by aircrafts stays in the atmosphere, where it reflects the sun's rays, causing the Earth's surface to warm up. There are regulations in place to limit the amount of greenhouse gases in aircraft emissions, but scientists are still concerned about the negative impact it could have on the climate. What's even more concerning to scientists is the increased cloudiness caused by contrails. The air may feel colder to us on cloudy days, but the water droplets in clouds actually capture and reflect the sun's energy down towards the Earth. That means an increase in cloud cover actually leads to an increase in temperatures on the ground. Contrails are estimated to cover about 0.1% of the Earth's surface. That doesn't sound like much, but over time, that extra 0.1% of cloud coverage can seriously affect the climate. Between the greenhouse gases and the cloud coverage, aircraft exhaust can be somewhat detrimental to the environment. But is it dangerous to human health? According to the EPA, contrails are released so high in the atmosphere that their particles never reach the Earth's surface. The conditions in the lower atmosphere cause the ice particles to evaporate before they can fall to the Earth as rain. Contrails are essentially trapped in the upper levels of the atmosphere, so they pose no threat to human health at all. Oh, well, that's a relief. Hold on. I said contrails pose no threat to health. Remember, contrails are just water vapor. But the other byproducts in jet exhaust are a different story. For decades, scientists assumed that jet exhaust was only a potential hazard during takeoffs and landings, when planes are close to the ground. When planes are at their full cruise altitude of over 35,000 feet, the exhaust is released so high up in the atmosphere that it can't harm anyone down on the Earth's surface. Or so they thought. 
A 2010 study sponsored by MIT, the Federal Aviation Administration, and NASA revealed that planes flying at cruise altitudes are actually responsible for about 80% of all mortalities from aircraft emissions. By analyzing data from countries all over the world, the researchers determined that the nitrous and sulfuric oxides emitted by planes can react with ammonia in the air to create tiny particles called, quote, fine particulate matter. Unlike the water vapor in contrails, these particles can travel down to the Earth's surface, and they're harmful when inhaled by humans. Chronic bronchitis, lung cancer, and other cardiovascular and respiratory illnesses are all linked to air pollution. In the end, the study concluded that pollutants from aircraft emissions are responsible for about 8,000 deaths per year. Almost all of those deaths occurred in the Northern Hemisphere, where the majority of air traffic occurs. But because of the high-speed winds at high altitudes, the pollution isn't constrained to areas with a lot of air traffic. Almost half of those annual 8,000 deaths occur in India and China, even though only 10% of air traffic occurs over those two countries. The theory is that the exhaust from air traffic over North America and Europe travels downwind toward Asia. India and China have a higher population density than countries in North America and Europe, and they also have higher ammonia levels in the air. Those two factors might account for some of the increased mortalities. But the point is, pollutants from jet exhaust can travel anywhere in the hemisphere. So if you see a contrail overhead, don't worry. You're probably not at any higher risk for disease than anyone else in the northern hemisphere. Probably not, but more research needs to be done to make any conclusive statements. The FAA is still doing research to confirm the findings of the 2010 study. And if it holds up, they might implement regulations on planes flying at cruise altitudes of over 35,000 feet. Currently, aircraft emissions are still only measured during takeoffs and landings. Doesn't it strike you as strange that eight years after aircraft emissions were proven to cause thousands of deaths per year, the government still hasn't created any new safety regulations? Not at all. It takes time to do research, and... It would be a waste of time to create new regulations without proof that they'd be effective. The FAA is a federal organization funded by tax dollars, not aircraft companies. There's no reason to believe they'd purposely drag their feet creating new safety standards. Unless, as many theorists believe, organizations like the FAA are involved in a government conspiracy to release pollutants into the air. That's an interesting theory. But for now, let's take the scientists at their word. Apart from the unavoidable byproducts of jet fuel that we've just mentioned, there are no added chemicals in contrails. But it's difficult to dissuade people from believing otherwise. A lot of conspiracy theorists point to the fact that some contrails stay in the air for several hours as evidence that they contain added chemicals. But that theory isn't supported by science. It's true that nitrogen and sulfur particles already occurring in jet exhaust can make the droplets in the water vapor grow, creating bigger and longer-lasting contrails. Differences in fuel composition and engine efficiency might cause the contrails from some planes to look different from others. But there are environmental factors that affect contrail size, too. The humidity in the atmosphere affects the way water vapor reacts when it comes out of the exhaust pipe. 
If the humidity in the atmosphere is low, the particles from the exhaust will evaporate quickly and disappear. But if the humidity is high, the exhaust will condense into ice and form a cloud that can last for several hours and spread out to several miles wide. If you notice a contrail that stays in the sky for hours, it doesn't necessarily contain any more impurities than usual. It's probably just a really humid day. Unfortunately, this scientific explanation doesn't do a lot to deter people who believe toxic chemicals are being added to contrails. People will believe what they want to believe. And while there's no evidence that contrails contain anything other than water vapor and unavoidable exhaust byproducts, it makes sense that people are suspicious. Why is that? Well, because it wouldn't be the first time the U.S. government secretly used aircrafts to disperse chemicals into the air. Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now back to the story. One of the most enduring conspiracy theories about chemtrails is that the government is using planes to drop toxic chemicals. It's hard to root out this idea because conspiracy theorists point to the fact that the U.S. military actually has done that in the past. They may have done it before, but that doesn't mean they're doing it now. That's true. But it's worth mentioning the military's history with chemical warfare so that we can distinguish between truth and myth. During the Vietnam War between 1962 and 1971, the U.S. military used low-flying aircrafts to spray Vietnam with herbicides, chemicals that kill plants. Their plan was to destroy crops and deprive the enemy armies of food. And it was effective. But in addition to destroying thousands of miles of forest, these chemicals also cause terrible illnesses in anyone who is exposed to them. One of the most notorious herbicides they used was nicknamed Agent Orange because of the orange stripe on the canisters. Agent Orange contains a compound called dioxin, which is extremely toxic and is known to cause cancer. But at the time, the military wasn't concerned about the long-term health effects of this chemical. In-house memos of the companies that manufactured Agent Orange noted it would be easy to change the formula to make the product safer. But... The changes would slightly reduce profit margins, so the companies opted to keep the formula the way it was. U.S. soldiers were told the chemical was harmless, so they didn't take proper safety measures. They even used empty barrels of Agent Orange as makeshift showers. It wasn't until years later that illnesses began to show up. According to the Vietnamese government, up to three million people have suffered illnesses due to Agent Orange, 
and over 100,000 U.S. soldiers have submitted disability claims that related to Agent Orange exposure. The VA has linked Agent Orange to 14 diseases, including leukemia, lymphoma, heart disease, and various forms of cancer. Even worse, the children of men and women who are exposed to the chemical are often born with birth defects, like missing limbs, spinal cord deformities, and cancer. Luckily, the last use of Agent Orange was in 1972. Four years after that, the United Nations banned the use of environmental modification as a war tactic, including the spraying of herbicides. At least that's in the past. Well, that's what the official version says. Is there any reason to believe the military might still be conducting chemical weapon tests in secret? We can speculate on that later, but let's look at the facts first. Before the Vietnam War, the U.S. military secretly tested Agent Orange and other chemicals on civilians without their knowledge or consent. This isn't a conspiracy theory. These are all well-documented experiments that were revealed to the public long after they took place. Throughout the 1960s, the Army tested the effectiveness of Agent Orange by spraying it over the University of Hawaii in the nearby town of Kapa'a without warning anyone that the chemical could be dangerous. A report written by the university's agronomist concluded that Agent Orange was an effective herbicide and, quote, obviously may also be lethal. And, in fact, several University of Hawaii employees later sued the U.S. government because of the illnesses they contracted from working with the chemical. But the Army continued to use Agent Orange in Vietnam anyway. Another source of controversy is an experiment called Operation LAC, L-A-C, short for Large Area Coverage. Throughout the 50s, the Army tested the effectiveness of chemical weapons by spraying large areas of the United States with a chemical called zinc cadmium sulfide. This chemical was chosen because it's easy to track and it has similar physical properties to possible biological weapons, but it wasn't believed to pose a health risk to humans. This is important to remember. There was no evidence that zinc cadmium sulfide was dangerous. They were aiming to test the dispersal range of chemical weapons without causing harm to the people in the test range. Here's what happened. The Air Force loaned the Army a plane, which they used to disperse zinc cadmium sulfide across large areas of the United States, the same way planes were later used to disperse herbicides in Vietnam. The first test occurred along a path from South Dakota to Minnesota. By the end of the experiments, the entire Midwest had been covered, from the uppermost states down to northern Texas and from Ohio to the Rocky Mountains. At the time, local officials were told that the strange powder being dusted over their community was a smokescreen being tested for aerial defense purposes. This was during the Cold War when everyone was terrified of a nuclear attack. No one thought twice about testing a new defense mechanism. But in 1994, it was finally revealed to Congress that the tests were actually part of a biological weapons program. The public was understandably outraged. In response, Congress asked the National Research Council to study whether the chemical might have caused harm to the people exposed to it. At the end of their research, they concluded that even though high doses of cadmium could cause cancer, bone, and kidney problems, there was no evidence that the levels sprayed over the test sites could cause health problems. However, that conclusion 
is still disputed within the scientific community. The research council admitted that their research was sparse and relied on limited short-term animal testing, with no test to determine the long-term effects on humans. And anecdotal evidence seems to link exposure to zinc cadmium sulfide with cancer. Many people who lived in the test areas have developed forms of cancer that they believe might have been caused by the tests. But there's no solid evidence that their illnesses were actually caused by the experiments or if they were caused by something else. The bottom line is, even if zinc cadmium sulfide was toxic, the military wasn't aware of it during the tests. There was no intention to harm anyone, and there's no proof that anyone was actually harmed. Operation Lack ended in 1957, and there's no evidence that the military has conducted any chemical weapons tests over civilians since the Vietnam War. How does any of this testing relate to chemtrails? Well, there's obviously a long history of using aircrafts to spray chemicals. But throughout all of these experiments, the aircrafts had to fly extremely low to the ground for the chemicals to be effective. So commercial airplanes flying at regular cruise altitudes wouldn't be capable of spraying chemicals? Probably not, no. There's also no connection between contrails and the chemicals that were released from those military aircrafts. As we mentioned before, contrails are just water vapor from fuel exhaust. They're completely unrelated to any other form of chemical dispersal. Well, there's one last thing to clear up before we start talking about alternative theories. Are aircrafts being used to manipulate the weather? The answer is actually yes. A process called cloud seeding has been commonly used since the 1940s to control rainfall. When tiny particles of substances like dry ice or silver iodide are released into clouds, they freeze the water droplets in clouds and turn them into ice crystals. Those solid ice crystals are more dense than the air around them, so they fall down through the layers of the atmosphere and turn into rain. By strategically releasing dry ice and silver iodide from aircrafts, it's possible to control when and where it rains. It's hard to believe that actually works, but it does. According to the World Meteorological Organization, cloud seeding programs are currently being conducted in 52 countries, including the U.S. Typically, these programs are used to increase rainfall during droughts. A couple years ago, Cloud seeding was used to make it rain during one of the worst droughts in California history. When storm clouds from El Nino drifted over Southern California in 2016, Los Angeles County recruited a cloud seeding company to make the clouds rain. They used aircrafts to seed the clouds over the mountains in northern Los Angeles, and it finally caused some rainfall. The only catch is that cloud seeding only works when there are already clouds in the air. If the skies are always blue, there's no way to make it rain. That's why they had to wait for a storm to pass over California before they could attempt to alleviate the drought. On the opposite side of things, cloud seeding can be used to prevent rain in certain areas. If the clouds are seeded at just the right time, the rain will fall before the clouds reach the area that's supposed to stay dry. This strategy was famously used during the 2008 Beijing Olympics. The Chinese government didn't want it to rain over the 91,000 people in the roofless Olympic Stadium. 
So they used aircrafts and rockets to spray silver iodide and dry ice into the clouds in areas near the stadium. It seems to have worked. On the day before the opening ceremony, it rained all over Beijing, everywhere except the Olympic Stadium. Wow, that's pretty neat. China also uses cloud seeding to clear smog. Air pollution is a huge issue in China, and scientists realized one way to clear the air is by making it rain. Falling raindrops latch onto smog particles in the air and pull them down to the ground. After the storm passes, the skies are clearer than they were before, and it's easier for people to breathe. See, weather modification isn't as scary as it sounds. When it's used correctly, it appears to be harmless. But what happens when it's used for the wrong purposes? We'll return to our story in just a moment. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible, because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And now, back to conspiracy theories. As we just mentioned, cloud seeding is a common practice, and it can help alleviate droughts. But it isn't totally harmless. Weather modification has the potential to be used as a combat weapon. There's a long history behind this one. We have to go all the way back to 1952, when the British Royal Air Force began an experiment called Project Cumulus. After World War II, the British were investigating a wide range of new defense techniques in case another devastating war broke out across Europe. They realized there was one weapon they'd never tried. Rain. Cloud seeding had just recently been discovered by American scientists, and the British Royal Air Force knew it could be used for more than drought relief. Being able to create rain on command during wartime would allow them to flood hostile territories, block roads, and stop an enemy army's movement entirely. It's easy to see why this was an appealing idea, especially in the fear-stricken years right after World War II. For decades, the British government denied that Project Cumulus had ever existed. In the 1980s, a member of parliament searched through the Ministry of Defense's files for information about these mysterious experiments, but he found that all the files for the years in question were unexplainably missing. But in 2001, the BBC unearthed classified documents and long-lost radio broadcasts that confirmed what conspiracy theorists had believed for almost 50 years. The military had been working on technology that would allow them to create rainstorms on command. And those experiments happened immediately before one of the worst flash floods in British history. In August 1952, the Royal Air Force began their first cloud seeding experiments 
over the small village of Lynmouth. The pilots flew above the cloud line and poured dry ice into the clouds. About 30 minutes later, the rainfall began. The pilots were elated. The experiments were a success. But a day later, the downpour wasn't showing any signs of stopping. The rain was falling so hard, it was dangerous to go outside. In one day, an estimated 90 million tons of water flooded through the town of Lynmouth. That's 250 times the average amount of rainfall for the region. A nearby river overflowed and created a tide so strong, it uprooted trees and destroyed houses as it poured through the streets. The Royal Air Force was aware that cloud seeding had the potential to cause damage. That's why they were interested in using it as a weapon in the first place. But they weren't prepared for this sort of disaster. In the end, 35 people died in the flood. One woman recalled that her grandmother was swept away in the tide, and when they finally found her body, her head and limbs had been completely torn off. Horrible. These weren't normal rainstorms. It was completely out of control. Survivors of the flood said they saw planes circling in the air before the rain started. But the Ministry of Defense immediately denied that any military experiments had taken place. Rumors persisted that some type of military experiment was to blame, but scientists dismissed those theories. They assumed that the flood had happened naturally. Even after the documents about Project Cumulus were revealed in 2001, many scientists still doubt whether the cloud seeding experiments could have had such a drastic impact. One meteorologist said it was preposterous to blame the relatively small quantities of dry ice that were dropped by the Air Force for such a devastating flood. It's totally possible that the flood was going to happen anyway, and the cloud seeding just prompted it to happen a little sooner. The residents of Lynmouth have been asking for an explanation for what caused that flood for decades. But the British government still hasn't given them a conclusive answer. And the truth is, since it happened so long ago, there might never be enough evidence to prove whether Project Cumulus caused or exacerbated the Lynmouth flood. But it is a strange coincidence that the flood happened right after the clouds receded with rain-making chemicals. It is. And whatever happened in Lynmouth, it wouldn't be long before another army perfected the use of weather manipulation as a combat weapon. Fifteen years after those first experiments in the UK, cloud seeding was successfully used by the U.S. Air Force, once again in Vietnam. From 1967 to 1972, the Air Force ran a program called Operation Popeye. They used their aircraft to spray silver and lead iodide over Vietnam, hoping that it would increase the rainfall and cause landslides that made the roads unusable. Operation Popeye is estimated to have increased rainfall in Vietnam by 30% during 1967 and 1968. The U.S. government knew weather modification would be controversial. There hadn't been much research into the long-term effects of cloud seeding, and the scientific community might object if they knew about it. So, the project stayed top secret. The name of the program even had to be changed several times because too many people had learned about it. But it wouldn't stay a secret forever. In March 1971, the Washington Post broke the story about Operation Popeye to the public. Congress pressed the military for more information about the project. 
The defense secretary, Melvin Laird, testified before Congress that no weather modification program even existed. He insisted that, quote, we have never engaged in that type of activity over northern Vietnam. But it was too late to cover it up. Three months later, the New York Times published a long article about the operation, citing interviews with dozens of anonymous government sources. Two days after the Times article was published, Operation Popeye was ended. It wasn't until two years later, in 1974, that the Defense Department officially acknowledged the existence of their rainmaking project. Defense Secretary Melvin Laird apologized to Congress for denying that the operation existed two years earlier. Apparently, it was so top secret that even he didn't know about it. The operation had been controlled by the CIA and the Secretary of State without the Defense Secretary's authorization. Hmm, they really wanted to keep this under wraps, didn't they? Well, it was a big deal. It was the first time weather modification had been used as a weapon. And the last. After Operation Popeye was revealed, the U.S. Congress banned the use of what they called environmental warfare. A few years later, 48 countries, including the U.S., signed the Geneva Convention Treaty, which banned the use of weather modification for hostile purposes. The treaty still technically allows weather modification for non-hostile purposes. Cloud seeding is still allowed when it's not being used as a weapon of war. The U.S. Air Force has continued to research weather modification technology, but it hasn't actually been used in combat since the Vietnam War. Supporters of weather warfare argue that it's a powerful combat tool that's less dangerous than some other weapons. After all, the average rainstorm does less damage than a bomb. Maybe in the short term? But in the long term, most governments agree this is a road we shouldn't go down. There's no telling what the lasting consequences of man-made disasters could be for the environment. So, to summarize what's going on, all around the world, Aircrafts are being used to release harmless chemical particles that affect weather patterns. But there's no evidence the U.S. government is using their weather modification programs for nefarious purposes. The use of harmful weather modification has been banned since the 1970s. In the past, the military has secretly used aircrafts to spray toxic chemicals, both on enemy nations and on domestic cities. But the use of herbicides as a weapon was also banned by international treaty in the 1970s. There's no evidence that aircrafts are currently being used to test chemical weapons on civilians. And all of that is completely unrelated to commercial airplanes and their contrails. Contrails are nothing more than water vapor, a natural byproduct of jet exhaust. Jet exhaust does have some negative impact on the environment and on human health, but it's about on the same level as car exhaust. Nothing to be too paranoid about. Finally, so-called chemtrails don't exist. There's no evidence that any harmful chemicals are being released along with aircraft contrails. That's the official story. But it's not the most interesting story, and maybe not the true story. There are countless theories about chemtrails, what they are, who's behind them, and to what end. The only thing conspiracy theorists seem to agree on is that there's something being released into the clouds that's more dangerous than water vapor. Here are three of the most popular theories about the true purpose of chemtrails. Theory number one, chemtrails are being used by the U.S. government to control the weather 
possibly as an effort to combat global warming. We've already acknowledged that cloud seeding programs do exist, but some theorists believe there's another secret program that uses chemicals more dangerous than the typical dry ice and silver iodide. Theory number two. Chemtrails are part of a secret military effort to develop either weather modification weapons or chemical weapons. This one is pretty popular because there's no way to prove there isn't a top secret military program going on. But is there evidence to suggest there is? Maybe, maybe not. Theory number three, the government is using chemtrails to destroy crops and make the population sick and docile as part of a bigger agenda to institute the new world order. Theory three seems a little out there. It doesn't always matter which explanation is the most likely. People will cling to whatever story is the most intriguing, even if it doesn't make sense. And these theories all get pretty intriguing. They all tie back to a few suspicious details. Unmarked black aircrafts, aluminum-resistant crops, and a mysterious Air Force project called HARP. We'll discuss the details next week. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. If you want to hear more Conspiracy Theories, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. Tell us your favorite Conspiracy Theories on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and on Twitter at Parcast Network. Join us next week as we take a second look at chemtrails. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Conspiracy Theories is written by Kate Gallagher and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy.